0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB AM 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm thrilled to have a guest in the studio today who is the Executive Director of Marketing and Communications and Brand Strategy at Candor Consulting. And her name is Kat Spurway Hepler. Welcome to the studio. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And I'm very proud that I pronounced your name yes, correctly.
2: Yes. <laughs> it's a common, common mispronunciation, but I'm okay if you consider me a helper. <laughs> Either way, right?
0: Um, we're going to start out talking about your years growing up in Indiana. You're not a not a Philly girl. Hoosier through and through. That's right. right. And uh, you've actually lived in a lot of different cities. But, I have. Um, Let's start out with your your years growing up
2: there in Indiana and and talk a little bit about your family life. Sure. It was a wonderful place to grow up. But like many, I was growing up in a small town and I couldn't wait to get out and get to the big city, which led me to other places I've lived, like San Francisco, Atlanta, now Philadelphia. Right. But it was a wonderful place to grow up where everyone left their doors unlocked Mm -hmm. and you played until... It was dark. Till you know, they that called was you home for till dinner. they called you home for dinner. Yeah. Uh, but it, we had a wonderful life. We lived across the street from a university where my mom had worked mm-hmm. and my father had attended. That's how we ended up in Indiana, in Crawfordsville, Indiana. And what was interesting about this school was that it was an all-male college. Oh. I think one of only two left in the country. Wow. Wabash College. I didn't know there were any left. Yes. Wow. Wabash College. Mm-hmm. Um, about 650 students. But... It was sort of this unwritten rule all growing up, you know, you never went there without a parent. And I stuck to that, even in my teenage years when a lot of my girlfriends would want to go to the college parties. And I'd say, no, 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 you know. <laughs> I think I'm a little too close to it. But right. it, it was a great place to grow up. I had a wonderful family and an interesting family, a very uh, non-traditional family. Okay. My parents divorced when I was about two years old. Okay. Okay and it, it was very historic and even made the newspapers in our small town because wow. my father wanted joint custody with my mom and this was very unheard of in 1970s Indiana yeah but it it sort of later in life made me see you know the kind of inspirational parents my our parents my my parents were that they said you know we really want to be part of raising you yeah and i became even more blessed about 2 years after that when my father remarried and he is still married today to my stepmom, who I consider my mom as well. Mm-hmm. So I had these two wonderful female influences in my life. Both worked outside of the home. One was a little bit more of a domestic diva, I yeah. would say, than the other. Uh, my biological mother would say I make reservations. <laughs> <laughs> Where my, my stepmom, who I do consider my mom, so it will be hard to tell who I'm talking about when, I'm right. th- when I talk about them, Right. Uh, was you know a phenomenal cook. I mean, dinner on the table every night. Her, her parents owned a farm and, and I would spend time at my grandparents on the farm. Indi- from Indiana, in Indiana well. Yes. And so it was just a, a really interesting dichotomy between these two very influential women in my life. Um, one was an executive in a steel company, Alcoa, and the other was an assistant at the college that we lived across oh, the okay. street from. Yeah. So I had a, a wonderful experience of seeing, you know, two very different types of women and how they led their right. lives and how they led their families. Right. And that's really influenced how I look at my life today. Mm-hmm. And, and I think how my career has turned out. You know, I go to uh, my one mom for everything career advice, you know, because she's she was a trailblazer in, in leading human resources for a very large company. Okay. And then in, in domestic and more uh, one-on-one situations, I go to my other mom yeah. and say, you know, how do I handle this? Because she has a very soft touch. With how she handles people, and I think that's from years of of working in an environment in the in an academic environment, yeah, where it's yeah. very different from the corporate environment, right?
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So you really got to see two sides of, of what many women face, you yes. know, um, being mothers and wives, um, and also working. Yeah. And did when you were when you were growing up, did your mom, your biological mom, talk to you about you know the importance of finding a career and, and being independent?
2: I think, yes, she was very much about being independent. She was very honest with me. Mm-hmm. And as a young girl, you know, I may not have appreciated it then. right. She was we never very, do. we never do right. Mm-hmm. and and it and there were challenges, right? There's challenges when you when your family, when you have this, idea of this perfect family and these pressures of what that perfect family is. But she was always very honest with me and saying, you know, this didn't work out. That doesn't mean, you know, I'm not here for you or or we're not going to do everything we can to make this work for you. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with career in her life. You know, as as she remarried and, and things happened to her in her life, she was very honest with me always about this is what's happening this is why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And I find that I'm the same way. And as a mother now, I mean, yes, my daughter is very young, so it's hard to, to be honest with her right. and say, this is why I'm doing yeah. this. She's 18 months, my, yes. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so her response is, mama, mama. Yeah, right. You know, that's, yeah. that's the response. She just wants her bottle and exactly. that's all. Exactly. That's it. That's yeah. it. We did advance to sippy cups recently, oh, so we're, we're feeling really good about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big move. That's a big step. <laughs> but but I do find myself sort of taking that calm approach and that very honest approach with her and the same thing with my husband and a lot of the women and men, for that matter, that I've mentored and worked with in my career. I found that that approach has made me successful, mm-hmm. that just very honest and direct and the company I work for, Candor, mm-hmm. you know, having candor in, in everything yeah. you do really makes a difference, yeah.
0: and I learned that from her. Yeah. Now, it, it must have been difficult, though. You know, you, you mentioned to me that you did go back and forth every two yes. weeks between mom and yes. dad. That's a challenge. That's hard. How
2: did that affect you? I, You know, it's funny that, that you mentioned that because I, I still see that today in my own career, and until I, I was married and had a family, I had a job where I traveled often, and I became accustomed growing up to sort of living out of a suitcase. Yes, I had things at each home, but it was that shuttling back and forth. And I became very comfortable in that. Okay. And I yeah. found that I sought out jobs where I had travel, where I would be shuffling myself. I'm, I'm an excellent travel agent for my family. Yeah, i <laughs> <laughs> I pack like you wouldn't believe.
0: Are, Are you, you b- the only a carry-on type uh, of oh, traveler? Oh, yes, I am. That's fantastic. And you should I
2: Could think never th- do that. The funniest thing that happened to me in the Philadelphia airport where I, I think I forgot to once remove liquids from my bags. Mm. And they opened up my bag and the TSA said to me, I've never seen a bag that organized. <laughs> and I said, maybe that's something I should do, create a diagram for all travelers right. on how to pack your bags. You roll everything, right? I do roll everything. I learned that. I do roll everything. And I use a lot of my dry cleaning bags oh, for things yes. to not become Keeps the wrinkled. Yep. Keeps the wrinkles out. Yep. So that that is true. But Two side tips there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, being able to shuffle and adapt and adjust, that taught me that it was difficult it was difficult to sometimes hear things from from what my dad to say you know I don't take that toy to your mom's because when you take it to your mom's you know you lose it and, yeah, and you right. want to play with it here and then you'll forget it and yeah. and that's something you know most kids probably don't think about uh, but I think it it did prepare me to be very flexible yeah I'm an extremely flexible person okay that's because great. I had to be yeah um so what were some
0: of your aspirations growing up, you know, when you were um, in high school and, you
2: know, doing your thing as a teenager.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Did you have, you know, uh, dreams about what you wanted to do? I did.
2: I did. I think I was very much, you know, from an early age, very much a leader. You know, I I headed up student council. I wanted to lead every committee I could possibly lead. I wanted to be in charge of the prom and and in charge of all these things. And it never came from a place of you know, being in control or or, or sort of um, being the leader. It came from just wanting to do things and wanting to make things happen. That's great. So I think that was, you know, just part of my DNA, but also reinforced through my family and through my upbringing and and having those chances Mm -hmm. and, and being in an environment where it was encouraged. You know, I went to a great school public school, small school. My graduating class was 112. So I had a lot of opportunity to step up. You Mm -hmm. know, everyone knew everybody. You weren't just a number. So I I think that helped all of us to to be known and and to lead in our own way. Yeah. Uh, But I did, I think my biggest ambition was to be a fashion designer and it all came from um, you know, other women my age won't remember this, the fashion plates, which were the, this toy from, I can't remember who it was, that Mattel maybe that made it. And and you just put these plastic plates under paper and they were these, you know, wonderful leisure suits and 70s, you know, outfits. And you would scrape your crayon over the top of them or your pencil. And I found myself even into my um, tween years, like loving to do those fashion oh, really? plates yeah. and, and draw clothing. But Today, you know, it just manifests in a love of shopping. Right. <laughs> more right. Than we, we can all love fashion and do <laughs> yes. something else. Exactly.
3: Yeah. So I'm very much into my that.
2: Biggest, my biggest aspiration. But I did, you know, I mentioned this earlier. I did always want to kind of outgrow that small town and do something bigger. And I think a lot of people do that. They grow up in a small town and they think there's something bigger. And I've since done something bigger. And I find myself craving that small-town life, and I crave that for my daughter and my family. Yeah.
0: That's that simplicity that kind of makes you feel comfortable and relaxed. Exactly. Um, But you do need to—it was interesting to me. You said that, you know, you growing up, you obviously were adaptable. That's a great quality to have because we never know what's going to happen every day when we wake up. And that you wanted to be a leader, and you stepped up into those roles, but not out of a need for control. Yes. That's some. That's really interesting to me because I think a lot of um, people who do find they're interested in being the leaders, it is f- from a need yes. of controlling a situation yes. because there's some, you know, um, anxiety there or insecurities.
2: Yes, yes. and it, it's really interesting, you know, this movement that, that's come out recently that I find so interesting and, and very cool that Sheryl Sandberg and um, with the head of the Girl Scouts, this idea of bossy and how yes. little girls are thought of as bossy. And I don't ever remember anyone saying to me like you're bossy, uh, but that you know, I always was up for anything. Yeah, you know, yeah. let's just do things. But but I I like this idea. I like what they're saying is that that as as little girls, you know, if we are leaders and we are aggressive or assertive or we we say let's do these things, a lot of times we're labeled as bossy. Yeah. Whereas yeah. A, as a, a young man may be labeled as you know he's ambitious. Mm-hmm. And these different ideas of of who we are and what we are and how we're labeled. And I, I think to a lot of women, we just have to say to ourselves and to our children, you know, if someone does say your daughter's bossy or something yeah. like that, i say, great.
0: Yeah, you know, right. great, good for her. Good for her. Well, I, you know <laughs> what? I think there's a way to be um, a leader. There, there is bossy. In yes. other words, there's a way that you communicate where you're telling somebody to do something. Yes. But both men and women, if you use language that's more exactly. collaborative,
2: um, that's more effective. Right. And it's funny that you say that. It's probably a great segue to what I do in my career and in the role that I play at Candor. I work with several businesses uh, in the ad technology industry, which for those listening is is really the underlying technology that gets advertising and media on the Internet or on your mobile device or, or any type of connected device and I spend a lot of time teaching executives and their marketing teams how to communicate right. not only one-on-one but one to a thousand communicate from a brand perspective or communicate from an individual perspective right to be effective and to connect with people
0: yes that's what it's all mm-hmm. about what, what are your thoughts on you know the the, the younger generation today and I I'm laughing because I'm looking at you and and Kat is not only 10 years younger than me, but looks 10 years younger than that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. You know, the kids are growing up with in such a technological yes. world. And I do think that it's a detriment to their ability to learn to communicate yes. verbally yes. Uh, and, and connect at the same yes. time. What are your thoughts on that? How are you
2: going to help your daughter to, you know, be a better communicator growing up with all the yes. technology? It's so funny that you mentioned that, my my uh, husband just sent me an article that came out in the Huffington Post about the amount of media that children 0 to 2, 2 to 4, and 4 to 6 should be exposed to. And my daughter, as you mentioned, is 18 months. And it said, you know, under two years of age, no TV, no smartphones, no tablets. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I, I let her play yeah. with, my, with my mobile yes. phone and what am, what am yeah. I doing? But yeah. what I found is it's all about what the parent's letting them engage with. There's a wonderful, wonderful YouTube channel called Kids TV One, Two, Three. And it's this um, male singer that sings everything from bingo to ABCs to color songs. And it just has very simple visuals with it. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that program, I have let her watch that. I I think our our nanny actually introduced her to it when, when she was very young, just the songs. Yeah. I think it's helped her to be incredibly verbal. She can sing her ABCs. She sings bingo. She sings row, row your boat. And I actually think as parents, if we are uh, curating the content that our kids are looking at, that's what makes the difference. Right. And not choosing to let our kids be babysat by our devices and by technology. Mm -hmm. That it's it's. And engaging with them. Mm-hmm. So when she is watching, you know, she gets to watch an hour of TV. There's a great channel called Baby TV that mm-hmm. we watch. All but the I, shows are probably I know, different all these, now. It, it's yeah. funny. It, it's a cable channel, and I find it, I like it more than Disney or some of those others. It's really geared toward the very young children, and it's kind of like Baby Einstein, okay. which, oh, it, which yeah. a lot of people are familiar yes. with. Yes. But we watch it together. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. Is is anything we do, we we use it as a learning moment. Right. And it, we have to do it together. Right. It the message has to be a positive one. Yes. It's like Sesame Street. Yes. I mean,
0: Sesame Street's a wonderful show. Yes. And it was educational and it taught the kids. And yes. um we are a technology
2: world. So right. the kids
0: have to learn that.
2: Exactly. But but we as parents just cannot let technology parent for us, you know, yeah. and use it as a as a uh, I think, a coping device or, you know, I see my friends and I've seen myself do it, too, where we'll be out to dinner and, and she may start to get restless. And, mm-hmm. and my instinct is show her a video on the phone. Show her a video right. on the phone. She'll <laughs> calm down. She'll calm down. And or I, feed her. Or feed her, you know, or she may be done and we're still eating. And I, and yeah. I think I don't want to disrupt everybody, but she's a she's a child. Let her be a child. Course, yeah. Let her bang the spoons on the table. And until someone comes to me and says, hey, do you mind? You're really, yeah. you know, disturbing me. Chances are. We're not disturbing them, right? Yeah, so exactly. let her be a child. Yeah, um, talk a little bit about
0: your your first jobs. Sure. So your first job. What
2: was your first job out of college? Out of college, yeah. my first job was working for an ad agency. Okay, and you know now are you in Indiana. At the time? This was in Philadelphia. So oh, after Phil- okay. I graduated, I went to Denison University right. in Columbus, Ohio, and immediately upon graduation, I wanted to go out into this big world, right? I wanted to get out of that small town and go into this big world, so I moved to Philadelphia. Well, that makes me laugh. The big city. Yeah, you don't think of Philadelphia. Philadelphia. People think New
3: York, L.A.
2: And and, and I also had a friend that came to Philadelphia, so I would know someone here. And I remember sending out resume after resume, and my father had always said, look, we'll support you all through college, but once you're out of school, you're on your own. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I thought, oh, my gosh, some of my friends, they're living at home. Their parents are, are letting them you know, stay for as long as they need, yeah. and, and oh, aren't they so supportive, but I'm glad my my family was like, look, it's your time, That's go right. go make your way, right. and they supported me all through that, and in, in my first apartment in Ben Salem, which you open the closet door, and you could see outside, <laughs> things like that. I, I remember my father going to Home Depot and getting insulation for my very first very poor apartment. But I got a job at an ad agency in Yardley, Pennsylvania. It was the days of junk mail. Oh, and gosh, So yeah. everyone would say, what do you do? And I said, oh, direct mail. And, oh, you send me all that junk mail. And now I work in technology, which is has in some ways really eradicated the, the direct marketing, the mail form of direct marketing right. or changed that. Right. Uh, but it was great. And, and I and the woman who ran the agency was a very strong woman, and she ran it with her husband. And I learned a lot from her. I learned a lot about how to be and how not to be yeah, in a business right. setting. So I thank her for that. But it was a very creative job. I spent a lot of time coming up with great ideas for companies like Walmart or Saks Fifth Avenue, you know, two so ends these are of the big, spectrum, big, big companies, So clients, okay. big clients. Yeah. Uh, It was interesting, too. It went through every phase of of the Philadelphia banks. uh, First Trust Bank, you know, was a a client that's here in the building. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Core States Bank and Wachovia and, you know, every iteration of um, financial institutions in Philadelphia were our clients because it was a lot of uh, trying to acquire companies or, excuse me, acquire consumers for the banking companies. Okay. And those—that uh, was a small agency. I it would was assume. And how was she
0: able to get such large clients? You know,
2: competing with some of the big. She ad agencies? was charismatic, and she knew her stuff. Okay. Cool. And that's one of the great things I learned from her. She knew her stuff, and she didn't mince words. She acted with a lot of candor. Did she? <laughs> like someone else, I know.
0: <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with Cad Spurway Hepler. Uh.
4: It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks. And some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face to face. Not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the mutual fund store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit mutualfunstore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877 239 8330. That's 877
5: 239 8330. Hello. Hi, Kelly. It's Sue. Are you and Joe going to the kids' game after school today? No, we are stuck in traffic again on our way to the hospital for Joe's IVIG infusion. As usual, we will be at the hospital all day and won't be home in time. This is really becoming a problem with our work and family commitments.
0: Hey, my friend's son receives his infusions at home with Walgreens. You know they are not just a retail pharmacy. Walgreens has a national home infusion program. He used to miss school, but now the Walgreens nurses see him at home after school. Wow!
5: Infusions in the comfort of our own home?
0: Yes! Walgreens expert infusion nurses and pharmacists are available 24 7 to provide safe, one on one clinical support around your schedule. Talk to your doctor and call Walgreens Infusion Services at 877-974-4844 or go to
5: womentowatch.net for complete details. We will, if we ever get out of this traffic, hearty-har-har. We can't wait to have these infusions at home with Walgreens. Thanks. Be well.
6: Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest-growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized success, InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610 592 800 or visit their website at insourcenow.com to find the quality help you need.
3: When you are shopping, do you chuckle at the one-size-fits-all tags? Well, Wealth Management should not take a one-size-fits-all approach either. Companies offer different products and services for women, and they should. All women are different. Your plan should be as unique and personal as you are. So why are you still following your one-size-fits-all financial advisor? Financial advisor Liz Barker of RBC Wealth Management understands this. Her area of expertise is women in transition and being retirement ready. Call Liz Barker, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management at 484-530-2806. Again, that number is 484 484- 530 530 or visit her online at www.lizbarker.com to schedule your complimentary custom wealth management plan today rbc wealth management a division of rbc capital markets llc member nyse finra sipc Welcome
0: back to Women to Watch here on WWDB AM 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm having a, a nice conversation in the studio today with Kat Spurway-Hepler. And Kat is the Executive Director of Marketing, Communications, and Brand Strategy at Candor Consultant. Um, and just before the break, we were talking about uh, your first job out of uh, out of yeah. college, was excuse me, with an advertising agency here in the Philadelphia area, Ben Salem. Um, and I'd like to talk about your position with Point Roll. That was really kind of a pivotal um, position for you yes. and, a, and a, a job that really gave you a lot of the background and experience that you do now. How did you get that job, first of all?
2: Well, it's interesting. I, I answered an ad in the paper and, well, it wasn't really the paper. It was Career Builder, which was taking all, at the time, taking all of the Career job postings. That was one of the first. Uh, exactly, yeah. one of the first job sites. Yeah. And I had been working for a, a very large manufacturer, and, and I loved my job. But I just really felt that I loved advertising because I had, had kind of gone to the brand side at this point. I was working for a large manufacturer who did things like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and Tempur-Pedic. They did all the foam products for these CPG brands at the time. Did you do a
0: lot of creative work? I mean, you mentioned your yes. interest in, in yes.
2: fashion, so you actually got, into, got the into the creative side. I got into the creative and a lot of packaging, like packaging products for for consumers to buy and, and finding what really resonated and, and caused people to pull something off the shelf. So right. that had been the experience that I had prior to joining Point Roll, but I saw the ad in the paper and I looked at the company and the company was a, a, about a four-year-old, five-year-old startup at this point had been doing some really interesting things online, creating video ads and, and different kinds of online ads, not the pop-ups that everyone hates and, right. and just blasts regularly, but um, doing more user-initiated type of advertising. And I thought, this is really interesting. How am I gonna break through all of those other people who are are reaching out for this job? Because their job description was very creative, so I know this is a place where I can thrive. And I I remember they had product names, and the names of their products were boys. They had one called Fat Boy, which was an expanding ad. And I thought, oh, people probably, you know, think that's either great or think that's not so great. But I love it. You know, that's creative. Yeah. Um, I've always said it while I was at that point where we marketed to the best marketers in the world, those who are using the internet to to reach consumers. So we had to be that much more creative. So I knew even in imply, applying for the job, I had to be creative. And were they local? Philadelphia? They were local, Philadelphia-based, um, but now in, I think, about eight different cities across the country. Um, they were in Toronto and the UK as well. Uh but i I just really felt it was creative, and it's where I needed to be. And I actually took a pay cut to go there, knowing that that there was just something that told me I needed to be there. But I over the eight years that I was there, was part of building this business, double digit growth, triple growth, triple digit growth, year over year over year. And it was fun to be part of this entrepreneurial environment and building great, Creative ad campaigns and empowering this great creative for brands like Ford and Coca-Cola and um, Chrysler and Kellogg's—all these big, big brands. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and it, it just was so fun. And I started out in marketing, mm-hmm. doing uh, marketing campaigns as a marketing director, and one, and, and then was promoted to the vice president of marketing because I I kind of took a no holds barred like. Let's see what we can do. Let's right. be as crazy as we can with this brand. And at the time, the executives let me do that. Yeah. You know, they said nothing's off limits. So we even had one of our executives arrested at an event. <laughs> <laughs> I I donated to a local po- police department. I won't say which one in the town we were in for a, a conference. And they uh, agreed to come in during the conference and arrest our executive, to which everyone you know the buzz that was created from right, that right. was huge. Yeah. But they afforded me the ability to be as crazy and and provocative with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I always make that clear: provocative with a purpose, because right. it was about arresting the attention of people online, and, wow, and we used good. that. And so I got to do a lot of fun things. But um, I had become, by age thirty, the, the the VP of marketing. And one day, our head of sales came in and said, "Cat, I had a dream. You were in sales." <laughs> And I thought to myself, oh, no, no, no. My idea of sales was door to door knocking and asking people for money. And I thought, no, 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 I don't want to do that. But I said to myself, how much better of a marketer and a communications expert can I be if I'm actually the one selling what I'm telling all these salespeople to sell? Right. So let's try it. And I found it to be exhilarating. So basically to go and find the clients, find the the clients clients and carry what we would call carry a bag, have a quota and and put my money where my mouth was. All this marketing that I said helped our salespeople and helped build our business. I now had to use it to uh, generate my own income and generate revenue for the company. And it has made me so much better at what I do today. And I encourage any marketer when they get the chance, sell the products, be a salesperson yeah. for the products that you are marketing. Well, that's—I'm
0: sure that that um, colleague of yours saw in you the passion that yes. you
2: have for the industry. Exactly. So you're going to communicate that the best. Exactly. And I and I I. Thank him to this day for for doing that and for pushing me because he was the head of sales and he said this in front of the CEO and the CEO says, no, 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 no. We need her in marketing. And um, and probably about three years later, you know, we we did enter a new phase where we needed to have a bit stronger marketing and and bring that creativity back. So Mm -hmm. they did bring me back. Into an executive role as an SVP of strategy and marketing, and because I learned a lot in sales, I'd, I'd seen so much more than just sitting in my office. Yeah, what as the a marketer. clients want, what the clients want, what they need, right. how they respond to what we're doing, mm-hmm. either positively or negatively. So I brought that back in and helped build the next chapter, and then right. that next strategy for the company, and it was amazing. I, it's a great company.
0: Were you were you, you seem to be um, very innovative. You were an innovative Mm -hmm. thinker. And today you have to be innovative because things are changing so quickly. And did you worry that you, did you just say, I believe in in this very creative uh, campaign, let's say, we're going to go for it? Or did you worry that some of the clients would want a more traditional type
2: of marketing? That's a great question. I think the industry itself is driven by innovation. So it's almost not worrying if it's, if they want something traditional, but is it innovative enough?
0: Right. Is it ba- more? Balance. There was
2: a balance. Yes. It was you know, this is this innovative in terms of what's happening today, or is it innovative in terms of where we're going for tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And are we being thought leaders with what we're doing? Right. So it was really a question of how innovative, right? Could it, we be? Yeah, and it depends on who you're standing in front
0: exactly. of. Some people
2: are more receptive, um,
0: you know, to really new, out of the box exactly. things. Exactly. Yeah, and other yes. people want the traditional. Um, bef- while you know, before the, uh, we came in here and sat down, we were talking a little bit about um, the struggles that women face as executives, and. Also being um, domestic in the role of motherhood and wife, and something that you know we have to do. Um, And you're actually um, at the very, very beginning of writing a book about that, which I think is so interesting. And the title of the book is "The Expecting Exec." And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your experiences um, as an executive when you started to contemplate, you know, having a child, and that that struggle that you faced. That the
2: tape that was in your head yes, that right? just playing over that and over and yeah, over <laughs> yeah talk about that well you know it's really interesting it's it's something that became a reality for me of being a female leader uh, when i became a mother or when i was expecting and i had never really felt about uh, about being a, a female leader or been categorized that way, I was always just the go-to girl, you mm-hmm. know, like the one to just get it done. You took and I just took initiative, and and in a, within the industry that I'm in, it never really felt like, uh, you know, gender wasn't really something that people sort of talked about. People were good at what they did, and right. it's very progressive industry. Mm-hmm. But when I became a mother, um, and was expecting, that's the first time I really felt different, because. Questions came up like, well, "Are you going to come back?" or "How is this going to impact your work?" or, um, you know, "Oh, you, you've built this big career. Are you just going to give that all up?" You know, and, and these questions put a lot of pressure on me mm-hmm. and, and created some insecurities and some anxieties because it is a big decision. You know, I waited till later in life to to have children, and I did focus on my career. Right, but that didn't change anything. I mean, those same feelings that women face any point in their life, whether they have children in their 20s, their 30s, or or later in their 30s, which (laughs) which I did, um, was... That anxiety of well, well, I don't know what's going to happen, and everybody's asking me. Yeah, stop asking. <laughs> stop asking. Why and do they, people ask? I know. That why question? do they ask that question? And I think that's part of what this book is about is just sharing that perspective. And it's and it's called the Expecting Exec. but it's not just for executive leaders. It's for for women that are leading in any part of their life. If they're leading in the home, or or they're leading in a nonprofit situation, or they're they are an executive like I was who was pregnant and very much looking forward to this part of her life mm-hmm. but wanted that balance right and and the anxieties that come with that and how to just own it yourself chart your own course and feel comfortable saying to someone who's saying oh are you going to come back or, or is it going to be hard to leave your baby that's that was the, that was the worst one and yeah. i said well yes of course it's going to be hard to leave my baby i mean it's it's I'm hard human. for anyone yes. i mean i'm sure it's hard for fathers right you know it's right. it's not just about being a, a woman but it yeah. but it was about this idea that that to everyone else the physical change of my body signaled you know this change within my professional life and right. and right. And that anxiety that comes with that of thinking, you know, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to keep my job? Knowing full well that they loved me and loved what I was doing, but still that anxiety crept in and the uncertainty. Yeah, it's
0: interesting to me that it seems that all along your life growing Mm -hmm. up, you didn't have those types of insecurities that a lot of young women have. um, Just the inner voice thinking, you know, you're not doing it good enough. And that you experienced anxiety the first time, yes. Um, after you already accomplished accomplished I know. all those great things, <laughs> why do you think that was the case?
2: You know that's a that's a phenomenal question and one that after after our meeting here today, I'll probably think on for a right. while. Analyze that a little. I will bit. analyze that a little bit. Um, but I I think it's because I always just went. I always just went for it, and in my mind, it was always go. And when it I became pregnant. I knew it wasn't just about me anymore, mm, right? And I think that was a pivotal moment. Thinking my decisions no longer just affect me because mm-hmm. I always knew, no matter what decision I made, good or bad outcome, I would adjust. I right. would adapt, as right. we talked yes. about. Yes, but now someone else's life. Yeah, adapting to motherhood yes. is a much it's,
0: bigger, uh, yes. you know, thing to
2: adapt. Is much more real. You right. know, it, it. I could always sort of change directions on my own. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I had a great, I have a great husband who is very independent like I am as well. So as a unit, we were very able to be flexible. Right. But, but when we, we became parents, it, it was very clear there's someone else yeah, right. who my decisions impact. Right. Uh, what does your husband do? This is very interesting. He actually uh, is a stone courier. He owns a mountain, as <laughs> so I like to say. He owns a, fa- a very large mountain in New York, actually on the PA New York border, and he quarries bluestone for architectural and landscaping. And he's been doing this for about ten years. Wow, I didn't know you could buy a your a your mountain. Own mo- you can buy like a mountain, a mountain. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you can take stone out of that mountain and That's... sell it to people. Wow, it's That's it's so, so funny. I always joke that I'm in a very progressive, you know, like technology driven job and yeah. he you know he says Facebook uh, what's that I don't need Facebook you know I, I sell rocks <laughs> <laughs> and so I think of it he has a second oldest profession you know wow. which is which is building and yeah. and um, do you have some bluestone in your home because we it's do. beautiful I actually you know this is a radio program so you can't see but he actually put bluestone in my engagement ring he did he Aww. did he qu- he took a sample from the the heart of the quarry and had a jeweler crafted into a piece of Bluestone. But yes, we have Bluestone in our kitchen, in our bathroom and and everywhere. And if you need some Bluestone, give give me a call. I'll get you a friends and family discount. But he does a great business. He has a retail operation in Westchester and then he distributes all over the U.S. and Canada. Okay. Is he a one-man operation? He, he He actually, he's The front end of it, Mm -hmm. sales and running the business. And then his brother is the operations guy. And he has such an interesting story, too. I mean, he, he grew to love this from pulling Fieldstone out of the ground in high school, palletizing it and selling it on the side of the road. Wow. And that with his friends in the summer. Because it's so sought after, yeah. and in that region, talk he, about innovation. I know, <laughs> and, he, and that's that's probably why we got together. Is we're just we just go like we yeah. we come up with things and we just do it. But he, right. you know, he went to Penn State. He went into the chemical industry, and was a very successful salesperson for Ashland Chemical. And just said, you know what? I want to do my own thing. Yeah. I love stone. And every day he comes home with stone dust all over Is him. Is he and, Italian? Like, because that's <laughs> an, Italians tend to love yeah. that. He's German. Okay. Uh, but he's, he. you know, it's so funny. I come in all dressed from being at business meetings and he comes in with dust all over him and tracking, <laughs> you know, stone dust through the house. And I'm right behind him with the Swiffer. <laughs> it up. It's my domestic diva. Yeah, right,
0: right. You're a good team there. <laughs> yes. But. Um, Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we we were talking about your book, The Expecting Mm -hmm, Exec, and I I think it's a really interesting, um, you know, uh, discussion to have. What do you think women can do today to support um, each other when we're going through these different roles in our Mm -hmm. life, which inevitably we will because we are the female and we're going to be the ones to carry the children and, you know how can women i mean other than not ask those questions yes. i mean i think that's
2: a big a key thing to to do or not do absolutely i think that's one of the biggest things is that it comes from a place of caring you know mm-hmm. when when people ask those questions i think they are trying to invite a dialogue and trying to reach out to to each other to yeah. other women and they're and curious they're curious yeah. and and they're trying to in some cases it's very well placed uh, care and, and trying to say like let's talk about it. you know, maybe I can help you through this mm-hmm. But I'd say first and foremost, you know ask, you know to share your excitement You know, I'm really excited for you and and let let the other person kind of come to the table yeah. with more information Or what they want to share but don't go for those probing questions. because They're very personal yeah. But you know women men anyone in this situation you know, celebrate it, but also be available you know, if, if we are going through these challenging times and you know, having this anxiety, just be open to it. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, in my situation, I have I'm actually meeting a friend for lunch who's expecting and it's her first child. And she works for the company that that uh, I worked for previously. Oh, OK. And she's expressed some anxieties about you know, what know am what how will things be different? Right. And I let her come to me, but but let her know, you know, I'm here. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about anything, I'm here. And yeah. I think that's a good way that we can, as individuals, connect with each other is just put it out there yeah. and let them come to you and and let them say, you know, I do want to talk about this or I'm concerned about this mm-hmm. versus bringing it up. And I think that's the best thing we can do is just say, if you ever want to talk about anything, I'm here.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important, too, that um, that women do
2: express yes. those fears, yes. right? And we
0: talk about that absolutely. a lot, that to not be out there pretending yes. that
2: everything is yes. perfect and put together. Exactly. And that's absolutely it. I think that's one thing that we do address in the book is that idea of of sort of faking it till you make it, uh-huh. right? Thinking if I just put on a smile and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, you know, I'm very excited about it. I've, I'm I can have it all, I can balance right. it, I can put everything in its little box, and everything's going to be great. Right, right. It's okay to own those anxieties yep. and, and to express them. Right, right. It's unrealistic to think that, exactly.
0: you know, we can juggle a million different right. things. Right, right. Um, we should talk about how you came to partner with Tish sure. Squilero with Candor Consulting. Sure. How did that come about?
2: You know, Tish is wonderful. I know she's she's been on the program before, mm-hmm. and we had worked together at At Point Roll where I had worked, she had advised the company and we really developed a great friendship. And I felt that I became someone that she could come to and I would go to her with with some of these concerns or or things that were happening within the organization because Mm -hmm. she very much saw, you know, how not just women, but anyone Uh, within the work environment can be impacted by emotions or behavior and all these anxieties or challenges or people challenges. You know, she's really the sort of a people fixer. Mm -hmm. She she understands all these personalities and behaviors and how companies can manage those and, and find the right people and put them in the right places. So we both have a love for people. I love to people watch. I love to understand people. I mean, that's one of the best things we've talked about, about watching your child grow up. It's it's this fascinating fascinating. Petri dish of of growth. (laughs) It's, if
0: someone could pay me to sit and watch children yes. grow up, yeah, I would do that. I would do it, too. Yeah. And, and
2: I, I wonder if there's a job like that at Fisher-Price and seeing how they play with the toys and oh, how you I can market it to that or something like that. Yeah. I might have to look into that. But yeah. with Tish, you know, we, we partner because we both have that same love for helping companies and helping people, mm-hmm. really the individuals that drive those companies, understand, again, I, I talk about connections, how to connect mm-hmm. and how to represent themselves and their companies in a very positive way and act with candor to be open and honest mm-hmm. with yeah. themselves and, and, and how they run and manage their businesses and how they market it. Yeah, it's that's so important. And, and you
0: know, that's something that Tish and I um, connected on mm-hmm. the, the importance of what's going on up here in the brain, aside from, you know, the talents and exactly. the experience that a company has, you have to be able to connect. Personally, with your with your clients, Um, we're going to take one last quick break, and we will come back and talk all about the great things that Candor uh, Consulting is doing. Hello? Hi,
5: Kelly. It's Sue. Are you and Joe going to the kids' game after school today? No, we are stuck in traffic again on our way to the hospital for Joe's IVIG infusion. As usual, we will be at the hospital all day and won't be home in time. This is really becoming a problem with our work and family commitments.
0: Hey, my friend's son receives his infusions at home with Walgreens. You know they are not just a retail pharmacy. Walgreens has a national home infusion program. He used to miss school, but now the Walgreens nurses see him at home after school. Wow, infusions in the comfort of our own home? Yes, Walgreens expert infusion nurses and pharmacists are available 24-7 to provide safe, one-on-one clinical support around your schedule. Talk to your doctor and call Walgreens Infusion Services at 877-974-4844
5: or go to womentowatch.net for complete details. We will, if we ever get out of this traffic, hardy har har. We can't wait to have these infusions at home with Walgreens. Thanks. Be well.
6: Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits, and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized Success, Insource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. Insource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact Insource today at 610 592 or visit their website at insourcenow.com to find the quality help you need.
4: It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice some brokers only push the latest hot stocks and some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars that's where the mutual fund store comes in it's where you talk with your local advisor someone you can meet with face to face not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away and your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be from day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the Mutual Fund Store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to Women To Watch. I'm in the studio today having a great conversation with Kat Spurway-Hepler. And Kat is the Executive Director of Marketing, Communications, and Brand Strategy at Candor Consulting. Um, and I love talking about, you know, advertising and PR and marketing and all that good stuff. Um, so I'd like to talk, you know, get right into to Candor Consulting, what you guys do, and, and how you're different from some of the other um, companies in the area.
2: Sure, I can talk about candor all day. <laughs> um, and candor is a great name because it is. Yeah, it's a great it name. It is, and, and it's so funny when we are talking to potential clients or even our existing clients when we're reminding them why they work with us. It's because of that idea of candor and that honesty and openness and communication. I mean, that's the definition of candor. When when someone says, "Let me be candid," you know, they're going to give it to you straight. That's right. Uh, yeah. And and it's not giving it to you straight in a negative way, but just being open and honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that makes us different. Is that we are a new breed of management consulting firm. We're focused on communicating, making connections, and being candid, being honest, but also taking action. Well, you
0: know, it's interesting. I think what you do is similar to what I do here. You help clients tell their story, Exactly. right? You have to tell your story exactly.
2: to connect with Precisely. And attract. Yeah. And, and to attract. And, and I always say to a lot of clients, we're, we'll help you tell your story, but in a way that sells your story mm-hmm. so that people, the right people understand and, and buy your products or buy your services. So my focus area is really in that ad technology space and the advertising and creative space, which is where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's so many interesting things happening within that space. Startups every day. You know, you look at the Instagrams, the Facebook, but even all these smaller companies Uh, that are like Snapchat, you know, we hear about this, but we only hear about it when when someone buys it. There's so many companies like this, startups and established companies that need help with telling and selling their story. But also what we do is is help them find the right people and build the right business internally. So when they do tell that story, it's supported by the right infrastructure. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, there's a lot behind the scenes. What are some of the things, what what are some of your challenges? What are some of the things that are difficult for you in a day-to-day? Because we all have them. Yes. And you're you're a mom and you have a young daughter um, and you're also, you know, you have an executive position with a company Mm -hmm. that has a lot of demands. Yes. What are some of the things that are are a struggle for you?
2: Well, I think when I first started, what was a struggle for me was this idea of working, you know, eight to six. That changed. Right. Now now I may work five to eight and then get my daughter up, get her ready, get her to school. And and then I work until she comes home and then I'm working again from, you know, eight to midnight or eight till two or three. So that idea of the traditional day has changed Mm -hmm. and it doesn't limit my productivity or I'm still able to deliver against those demands. But it's done in a different way. Mm -hmm. So for a couple hours in the morning, I may not be available. And for a couple hours at night, I may not be available. But, you know, if you reach out to me, I will respond and let you know when I can. Give you that full time and attention. So I think that was one of the biggest challenges for me starting out was understanding that time is different right now, right. and that's going to change when she's in school or or you know say we have more kids. You know that that's yes. that's, that's that flexibility and, and that adaptability, right. and right. and I think that's what we teach our clients as well is that technology changes so rapidly, mm-hmm. that that flexibility and honesty that we express in our business and with ourselves as leaders and managers of, of a growing business, we have to be flexible, we have to be adaptable. Right. And technology lets us be always on. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean we should always be on. Right, well, do, does, is it stressful t- to you
0: knowing that when you're technically off the clock, there's still information coming <laughs> to you that you need to address? Or do you just kind of you know schedule it and say, You know, I'll get to that
2: at these hours of the day. You know, that's a really good question. I think it changes. Every day is different. You know, there will be days where, um, you know, there'll be a lot of activity Mm -hmm. and and it will be, you know, Addressing it as I can, and maybe sneaking off to the kitchen or yeah, something to right. check an email or do something. I know we all do this. <laughs> we do. We do. Uh, but I think for the most part, it's it's setting expectations for yourself, mm-hmm. right, and and not feeling the pressure to respond to everything immediately because we expect of ourselves I think in many cases so much more than others may expect of us we do we do the, you're doing 100% Kat like I love what you're doing for us I got the best compliment last week from one of my clients who said "Cat, you're the only expense that I don't mind paying oh and I hear that and I think <laughs> better oh, up the uh, I, I, I better I better up, the up, that, fee. I better up that fee <laughs> I know if Tish is listening she's probably thinking you better up exactly. that fee Kat. Yeah, who said uh. that <laughs> But I think to myself, like they're satisfied; they're more than satisfied. And here I was thinking, am I, you know, do do I need to do more? Or do I need to do more? Yeah, yeah. And and so that expectation that we have of ourselves, and, and a lot of the the people that I mentor, like I tell them that I mean, set high expectations for yourself, but don't set unrealistic right. expectations.
0: Right. What um some of the listeners are, are probably women who are. Um, maybe in the second act, you know, they've mm-hmm. already been mothers and raised children and thinking about starting something new. And we were talking about that ar- earlier. Um, what advice or tips would you offer to them um, to get started?
2: I think the biggest tip is just to go for it. Just do it. Because talking about it and thinking about it is not going to make it happen. Right. Just go for it. Take that step. And it doesn't have to be a big step. It can be a little step of, of reaching out to you. Or reaching out to me. I, I mean, this is an open invitation to anyone listening. You can absolutely reach out to me. I mean, I think that's one thing as as women we need to do is, is again, be open and say, I'm I'm here. If you're mm-hmm. thinking about this and starting your own business, just as I've started my own practice with candor, reach out. I'm happy to sit down and have coffee. Just take that little step right. of, of taking some action. And I know that there are a lot of women who are very open to this, who have been successful and are willing to to bring other women up right. to right. where they want to be. Yeah. So just take
0: that step. Sometimes the, that first step might be to join an organization, exactly. which there are hundreds and hundreds yes. of women's networking groups. Exactly. And just to kind of, you know, get out there and, and see what is available. Right. Let's talk um, more about the book because I want to know exactly where you are with Mm -hmm. the book and when it's going to be coming out, whether you're, you know, looking, dabbling in this or is it something you're looking to publish, you
2: know, over the next year? It will definitely be published over the next year. Um, We've got about three chapters started and the foreword. I I don't know why I wanted to start with the foreword, but it was this idea that I want everyone to know that it's not just, for women or expecting executives, but it's for anyone. You yeah. know that that's leading in their life, and and to tell them that it's that it's okay, it's okay to have these anxieties, but here's the right way to respond to it, and here's probably the wrong way to respond to it. And from my own experience, so it's definitely something that will happen in the next year if there are any publishers listening. You yes, know, give that's me a call. always <laughs> the biggest obstacle. <laughs> that's the biggest it? obstacle. Yeah. And you know there has been interest because it is a topic. It, w- when we look at a lot of the the books that have been really relevant recently, and they are about how we as female leaders are charting our own course right, and navigating exactly. Exactly. this world. and this is just another angle of, yeah. of that time between become you know expecting a child and then having that child and that very real period of anxiety and uncertainty right. that happens for those nine months, right. But well, we'll have to have you back on the show when the, when the book is finished.
0: Um, it, it was wonderful to have you here today. Thank you. It was a great conversation. And um, real quickly, if you could
2: give your contact information for the listeners. Absolutely. So you can reach me at Candor Consulting. You can visit candor-consulting.com, and you can reach me via email at cat@candor-consulting.com.
0: At Terrific. Thank you
2: so much. Thank you.
0: That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Again, my name is Sue Rocco, and if you'd like to get in touch with me, uh, feel free to go to my website at womentowatch.net, and that's women, the number two, watch.net. Thanks for joining us this week, everybody. Have a good one.